Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers. What an absolute treat we have today. Tony Holland is joining us. He works over at United Talent Agency. You know exactly who they represent. We're not going to get into names because today we're here to talk about Tony. How he went from the 82nd Airborne West Point to being one of the most sought after talent managers in the game. Tony, thank you so much for being here today, brother. I appreciate it. Look, look, I don't, I don't know if I can say one of the most sought after uh, talent managers in the game. I'm just a, a measly assistant, a, a measly plebe again, but uh, we're making it. Hey, we're we, making we all got to call minutes <laughs> at some point in our life, right? And kind of learn from the ground 100%. up. 100%. Uh, for those that don't know at West Point, um, we have to, as a freshman, you call minutes to make sure everyone arrives at formation on time. So, it, you know, it, it stills in us as West Pointers and I'm sure other service academies, right? You have to start somewhere. And I think everyone can kind of relate to that. How has it been, you're closing out at the U, right? University of Miami. How has it been diving into something you've been passionate about so long when it comes to storytelling, but also kind of actually being in that, right? You, you prep, you plan, you get ready to do it. And now you're actually doing that thing. How does it feel to actually be in it? Yeah, you know, I think, Tony, it's really, for me, you know, it's, I'm, I'm at a really beautiful time in my life. You know, you referenced calling minutes. And, you know, I think as we go through life, you know, we, we sort of hit these phases where, you know, at some point, we're always calling minutes again, right? Like we're learning something new, whether you're transitioning out of the service, you get a new rank in the service, or, you know, you have a, a newborn, you know, you're always starting these new phases in life. And I think for me, the duress of calling minutes at West Point, I think that duress is gone. But now, you know, I'm, I'm at a, a really beautiful space. I'm, I'm kind of coming into this, this new space of, of doing what I feel like I'm called to do. And I know you've always been a fan of storytelling. How did you incorporate that during your time, not only at West Point, but in the service? So you were able to kind of have that creative passion while still serving. How did you kind of balance the two? Yeah, you know, for me, storytelling is something that I never really, I think I, I always had an ability to kind of do it well, but someone else needed to pull it out of me. So when I was at West Point, you know, I had a teacher, Anil Mukherjee, Professor Mukherjee, he, he just left. And, you know, he told me that this is what I was supposed to do. And while I was at the academy, up to that point in my life, you know, I never really saw that for myself. And when that was sparked, when that catalyst was kind of awakened inside of me, you know, I think it's something that I'm still working out. You know, how do you tell, how do you tell a story? You know, and I, I think the, the, the key to any good story is there's conflict in there somewhere. And I think that, you know, being in the service and beyond, you know, that perpetual run-in with conflict is something that gives you ammunition, if you will, to fire when the time comes. So I think being in the service for me was really about 
you know, pulling on so many experiences that a lot of folks don't have the opportunity to witness and trying to figure out a way to channel those emotions into a way that I can, you know, communicate effectively with others. And as you challenge those emotions too, you also, this is always forefront of your mind from our conversations that we've had. You have this moral sense of responsibility and professionalism to make sure those stories are told in a way where it's not just attention grabbing, but it, it deeply connects with everyone, regardless if they've laced up their boots or not. How do you kind of tap into that? Yeah, you know, for me, Tony, that starts um, even before West Point. You know, I, I, I told you before, you know, I'm just a small town kid from, from Alabama with really small and intricate roots in a small black community in Alabama called Tuskegee. And growing up, you know, going to, to church with my parents and stuff like that, you know, I was able to see some folks who had really encountered some really tough circumstances in their life, whether it be poverty, whether it be, you know, growing up in a state, you know, rife with racism and clinging to those roots down in small town Alabama. I knew well before I went to the academy that, you know, I was going to be committed to something that was greater than myself and also be committed to, you know, advocating for those people that look like me. And, you know, I think, you know, when you have that sort of spirit about yourself, you know, and I think so many West Pointers have that, you know, it doesn't matter where we go, you know, those sorts of things stick with you and you're always working to kind of build off of. No, absolutely. And it, like you said, it's such a solid foundation that you're able to kind of, as this thing builds up, adapt, iterate, and see how it all plays out. Like you said, you've done a lot of different things. You studied law at West Point. Then you went on to go be in the 82nd Airborne. And then now you're into an industry that sometimes people can quickly turn an eye to and say, oh, you know, that's just how they do it. But being a voice of change to share the stories that are familiar to you, but maybe not familiar to other people, I think is it particularly fascinating because it takes so much conviction on your part to be committed to tell that story. 100%. And I, you know, I think it takes that, that same level of conviction from, from everyone involved in the story telling process. You know, you, we're talking about movies, right? Like we're dealing with, you know, actors and actresses who are pulling these emotions that they've experienced out of their life and giving them to us. You know, they're constantly naked, if you will. And I think that deserves stewards and it deserves, you know, respect in a lot of ways, the same way that we respect those who have done that uniform and serve our country. So it's a different way of looking at service. But, you know, in the end, I, I think that's what it's all about, service. And how have you seen it done where people are able to channel, I really liked how you talked about them being naked, right? Kind of coming in with past emotions and understanding to do an experience that they've never seen or been a part of. How do you help convey that when you do like, you know, screenwriting and storytelling? Yeah. Well, you know, I think most folks in the space that I work right now in the talent agency, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an assistant in the, the motion picture talent department. And, you know, I've really had a chance to interact with some amazing agents as well as other folks around town. But, you know, I think something that you're constantly trying to do, it doesn't matter who you are in this space, right, is you're constantly trying to kind of source material, source story. And, you know, it's really like a feel. 
you know, you, I, I think it's important to be able to certainly look at other people's emotions, certainly, certainly look at the work that um, various folks are doing across the industry, but really go with your gut and say, you know, well, yeah, maybe this puzzle can be put together this way, but, you know, I think it really would look great if it was put together this way. The, the pieces are a little bit more malleable. And I think that's a really good way to, to, to leave an imprint that maybe you haven't, haven't seen before. So as you continue to source material and grow in this space, how are you challenging yourself to constantly source material that is maybe foreign to you based on your past experience? Yeah, you know, I think reading everything possible and really just trying to develop a sense of what my taste actually is, you know. You know, I, I guess that this can kind of go back into, you know, leaving West Point, you know, being, you know, leaving the Army. You know, for me, it's really been this deep dive into self-exploration, like trying to understand self. And I think that with this job in particular, something that's really cool is I really learn a lot more about myself from reading and trying to understand the way that other folks are interpreting the world. And, I, you know, I think every day I find something new about myself through someone else, you know, whether it's a self-tape submission for one of my boss's clients. What's a self-tape? Sorry, unfamiliar with that term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, a self-tape in, in this in this new digital world, you know, you, you used to have these these casting auditions, but now with technology, basically it's the same thing as an, an audition, but it's an audition tape. So, you know, a client receives uh, a, a few lines to read, and then they, they, they go ahead and, and read those lines and submit them to be reviewed by, you know, casting director, director, the whole nine. So, you're seeing people's bare emotions on on parts that they may end up doing or they may not, but there's a, there's a chance to learn there. Have you ever self-taped yourself as you've told a story or written a story to kind of see how you experience those emotions? In my first or second year of film school, during the pandemic, we were kind of locked down. And I did a, oddly enough, I did a, a short film called Self. And you know, it was a really therapeutic experience for me just to see myself. You know, I'm not a I'm not a huge social media guy. I'm not a guy that picks up the phone and 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 does a whole lot of stuff where I see myself. But having the opportunity to be naked and not only see myself but have other people see me, you know, it did a, a lot of good for me. I think just moving forward in life. And I think that's such an interesting piece, especially in a transitional period, right? Not only did we, you know, in grad school with the pandemic going on, but like being able to capture where you are in time and space and understanding, hey, this is what I'm projecting, but what am I actually seeing for myself is super powerful. And I, I'm so glad we talked about the self-tape because that's just such an actionable thing. You can just flip your phone around, do a quick, you know, if you journal or whatever, or just how you feel, hit record. You don't have to play it for anybody, but you can just kind of watch it back and be like, oh man, am I really coming across this way? Or is, am I not, am I looking at just symptoms and not actually addressing the problem? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, I think, Tony, being able to see yourself in a way that, you know, you can't see yourself 
when you're just going through your normal day. You know, there's a power and a therapy in that that I think is untapped a lot of times. Absolutely. And especially being, and I keep going back because you're in the film industry, right? Like you're seeing the depiction of a story from a particular set of people and how they see the world existing in whatever this environment is in. And to be able to then go back and look at a very raw piece of film that's your own, it gives me like goosebumps. Yeah, 100%. Do you think that ability to kind of go back and do that audit, level the bubbles, as they say, of doing that self-tape has really improved your life as you've begun this next chapter? Or is there something else you've been able to kind of tap into as a behavior or habit? Yeah, you know, I think it's a culmination of things. You know, I think the conversations that come from allowing other people to see you, you know, it, it, it can help you, you know, for me, it, it, it's it's helped me kind of get things out that have just kind of been buried inside. And I think that in itself is something that, you know, I didn't feel super comfortable with during my time at West Point, during my time in the Army. I think for a lot of for a, a lot of folks that go to the point, you know, it's very easy for us to see the the beautiful part of our institution because it is a beautiful institution, you know. But me, you know, being a a black kid from Tuskegee, Alabama, and going to going to high school in in Lee County and and seeing you know Lee Barracks, you know, and then walking past the monument where it says you know a cadet will not lie, cheat, still, or tolerate those who do, you know, you, you just recognize the small bits of inconsistency. And, you know, those things, you know, they, they can force a person to kind of shut down and not feel like they can be vulnerable. And, you know, I think for me, you know, there's always been a real desire to be vulnerable and be able to express your full self, but, but not, not feeling that, you know, you know, for me, I think it kind of sent me into a, a space where I wasn't the healthiest version of myself, but, you know, I've, I've been so happy about, you know, being able to say that I'm a, a West Point grad and looking at the complexity and the, the depth of who we are as an alumni base and recognize that, you know, I'm not alone. And, you know, I've I've got the, I went to the best institution uh, in America and throughout the world and can say that unequivocally. I wholeheartedly agree with you. What has allowed you to build that psychological trust, not only with yourself, but externally to allow yourself to be vulnerable? You know, I, I think first it's 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 my classmates, it's my my family, it's my friends, and and really, you know, I think it comes down to just being honest, not living a lie, and I think being able to be honest and be authentic and not be deemed someone that is crazy, you know, that 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 helps that helps bolster those emotions and that sentiment. So, you know, for me, just being able to communicate. And, and not feel like I'm, you know, insane for feeling the way that I feel is something that it helps. Like we said, that's an iterative process, right? You got to have like a trial and error along the way, right? It's not always going to be great. And sometimes it is, right? Where has a failure along that journey ultimately led to the success you see today? Yeah, you know, I, I think 
my best, I don't even want to call it failure, right? Like one of my, one of my best experiences post army, right? Was myself and one of my closest friends, Jonathan Lehman, we were classmates. And when I came out of the army, Jonathan was living in LA and, you know, Jonathan, he's, he's a Renaissance man, but at the time, you know, he's focusing on his music career. And I found a, a buddy through high school who was doing a sales job up in Bay area, California. And I said, Jonathan, you know, we, we should do this. I, at the time, Tony, I, I was actually already accepted to a, a screenwriting program in North Carolina. UNC School of the Arts. And I declined it to go on this, you know, who who knows where mission with Jonathan. And we lived in the Bay for one year. And I probably learned more about myself. And I don't want to say failure, but I want to say, you know, definitely a lot of growth of self in that time frame that I think probably during my whole time frame in the in the army you know, weirdly, weirdly enough. And I think a lot of that growth and that learnedness, if you will, came from going into different people's houses and, you know, selling them windows and doors. And, you know, I probably went into over, you know, 150 people's homes in the Bay Area, California, all over the Bay. And, you know, got to go in and just talk and engage with people and that experience, I think, was an amazing experience to reintegrate me back into civilization, if you will, from being in the service. Because I dealt with some folks that were so all over the, the spectrum of personalities and occupations and everything that, you know, I really started to feel like I was just a normal person again. And... um I really needed that before going into into film school. Tony, as we wrap up, right, I, I have to ask one final question. You being a sixer, you know what's coming, right? Tony Holland, how are you better today than yesterday? You know, I think that today, I recognize that today is all I have. You know, yesterday is gone. Um, and everything, for the most part, that came before I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but it, for the most part, it, it won't help me today and it won't help me tomorrow. And I think also being present in today, you know, I recognize that tomorrow isn't something that I can make come faster. You know, it's going to come when it comes. So I think, you know, when thinking of, you know, h- how am I better today than, than I am uh, or, or was yesterday, you know, I think I'm I'm present in today. And I think living life that way going forward you know it it makes me better every day because i'm present you know i'm 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 aware of trying to find that balance that i think we all need to be the best versions of ourselves and i think it's taken me a, a long time to to realize that there's a lot of beauty in that so yeah i think i'm i think i'm better today because of that Tony, where can people go to find out more about what you're up to, what you're doing? I know you're not a big social media guy, but where can people go to connect more? Yeah, you know, you can holler at me on LinkedIn. I love telling my my little cousins that 
They're like, oh, we never see you. I'm like, listen, you guys got to create a LinkedIn. It's, it's never a better time. To, it's never a better time to start. But yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can, uh, you know, you can definitely message me on there. I'm, I'm active. Um, but outside of that, you know, hopefully uh, the proof is in the pudding here in, a, in the next couple of years with uh, the work that's that's done around town. If you haven't heard of Tony before, you will going forward. Trust me on that. Tony, thank you so much for sharing your methods, your strategies, your insights. And of course, thanks for having our six, brother. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.